Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the Gospel of John. Today is episode 138. We're looking at John chapter 11, verses 1 through 16. This begins the scenario of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Let's read the passage together. John 11, 1 through 16. Now, a man was sick, Lazarus from Bethany the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. And it was her brother Lazarus who was sick. So the sisters sent a message to him, Lord, the one you love is sick. When Jesus heard it, he said, The sickness will not end in death, but is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after that, he said to the disciples, Let's go to Judea again. Rabbi, the disciples told him, Just now the Jews tried to stone you, and you're going there again? Aren't there twelve hours in a day, Jesus answered. If anyone walks during the day, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of this world. If anyone walks during the night, he does stumble because the light is not in him. He said this, then he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm on my way to wake him up. Then the disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will get well. Jesus, however, was speaking about his death, but they thought he was speaking about natural sleep. So Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. I'm glad for you I wasn't there, so that you may believe. But let's go to him. Then Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let's go too, that we may die with him. Now this is the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And it's curious that it's not in the other three Gospels. And some people want to make a big deal about that because this is a a rather noteworthy event. And it leads right up to the events of the crucifixion. So those who want to cast doubt on things say, obviously it can't be true, because if it was this big of a deal, the other Gospels would have included it. Well, not necessarily. Uh, Matthew 11.5, Luke 7.22 both say Jesus raised people from the dead. But why specifically they did mention it, we, we can't say. And if all the Gospels had the same things, we would need four Gospels, we'd only need one. But here we have the episode of the raising of Lazarus from the dead. And verse 1 just introduces Lazarus. Now, a man was sick. Lazarus from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So it introduces Lazarus and that where he's from, Bethany, and doesn't link them together as a family yet, but he does uh, immediately thereafter. Then in verse 2 he says, Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. And it was her brother, Lazarus, who was sick. So now he's identifying them as a family. We know Mary and Martha are sisters already, introduces Lazarus as their brother, and points out that Mary was the one who anointed the Lord. Now, this hasn't happened yet. This won't be till chapter 12 in John's Gospel. But obviously, it's a well-known story. So people reading the Gospel have probably all heard the story of Mary anointing the Lord's feet with perfume and wiping his feet with her hair. And so he's giving that tidbit out already. You guys have heard about Mary. Well, this is that Mary. 
Mary and her sister Martha and their brother Lazarus. They all live in Bethany, and it's Lazarus who was sick. Verse 3, so the sisters sent a message to him. Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, we don't know if Jesus is still over in Perea, the other side of the Jordan. Uh, we, we just don't have time frames here because we'll have this incident and then they will leave the, the area of Bethany that come back to Jerusalem. And all this is going to happen from the, the time frame from the Hanukkah in December until Passover in the spring. But it's not the important part. The important part is, is what actually happens here. So they sent a message to him. Now, they sent a message meaning somebody took a message. And whether it was written, whether it was verbal, I can't imagine any reason for it that needed to be written. It's not like it's a sealed message that no one can know the content of. But somebody, uh, a friend, uh, a servant, uh, a relative, was told, go find Jesus and tell him what's going on. So it's not a text message, it's a personal message. And the message says, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, there was more to it than this. I got to believe there was. It doesn't specifically mention Lazarus by name here, but says the one you love is sick. And how sick? I've got to believe that whoever delivers the message gave them a lot of information. And, but they didn't specifically ask him to come, just informing him of the sickness. Now, it does seem to be an actual request for help. What they expect, we don't know. Maybe they're just hoping. They know there's a danger. They know that the people in Jerusalem want to kill Jesus. But there is a, a, an underlying request for him to do something. Verse 4, when Jesus heard it, he said, This sickness will not end in death, but is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So similarly to the, the question of why was the blind man born blind, well, it's not so much a why, it's that this will result in glorifying God. And so this sickness will not end in death, but will end up glorifying God and glorifying the Son of God. There's a dual thing here going on probably. Glorify the Son of God in that he is the one performing this miracle, but also this event is what really is a part of the big build-up to the execution of Jesus because the real glory of the Son of God will be displayed in the cross. Verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. Mention them individually. There, he loved each of them as a person, not just he loved the family and they're part of this family he loves, but he loves each of them. He really cares for each of them. And that is important to know because verse 6 then says, so when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Now, if he cared that deeply about these guys, and here's that Lazarus is sick, uh, almost to the point of death, you would think they would uh, pack up everything and make their way to Bethany. But it says that he hears about it and stays two more days. So it's not that he doesn't care deeply, because verse 5 says, yeah, he does care deeply. But he's on his own time frame. He's on his own schedule. And John specifically points out, it's an important aspect, he stays two more days. Then after that, verse 7, he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. 
So we're going to go do something about this sickness with Lazarus. But, verse 8, Rabbi, the disciples told him, just now the Jews tried to stone you, and you're going there again. We don't know what the time frame is, but it wasn't that long ago. It was the Feast of Dedication, Hanukkah, where there was an attempt to kill him. But verse 9, Jesus says, aren't there 12 hours in a day, Jesus answered. Now, 12 hours in a day. Well, not all days are 12 hours. It's, it's a figure of speech. The understanding was half of the specific day is daytime, half of it is nighttime. So there's 12 hours in a day. Not 12 60-minute intervals, but just the, the idea of half of the, a day is daylight, half of it is nighttime. So it's 12 hours a day, Jesus answered. If anyone walks during the day, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of the world. He's referring to, there's a, only so much time to get done what needs to be done. You can only travel during the day because you need the light of the sun. You need daylight. And they're saying, well, we don't think we really ought to go to Judea right now. It's dangerous. And he says, well, we have to get done what we have to get done. Then in verse 10, but if anyone walks during the night, he does stumble because the light is not in him. Well, the first part there, if you walk night, you're going to stumble because you can't see. That makes sense. But the light is not in him. This is this dual meaning that John uses because Jesus is the light of the world. And he needs to do what he's going to do. This has all been preordained. It's not that anyone was, well, it's not that Jesus was caught by surprise with the whole death of Lazarus. This is part of the plan. And things haven't been able to happen that people have been plotting because it wasn't time. Well, the time is rapidly approaching. Verse 11, he said this, and then he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm on the way to wake him up. Then the disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll get well. They're thinking, well, if he's sick, what he needs is rest. And if he just rests properly, then he'll get well. Because we really don't think we ought to go to Judea. Verse 13, Jesus, however, was speaking about his death, but they thought he was speaking about natural sleep. So Jesus then told them plainly, Lazarus has died. Now it seems the messengers arrived. Jesus waited two days. Was he waiting two days so that Lazarus would die? Probably not. Uh, he was probably dead before the messengers got there because say it's about a day's trip to get from Bethany to where Jesus was. When Jesus actually gets there to raise Lazarus from the dead, he's been dead for four days. So he's probably already dead. Well, we know he's dead here because Jesus says he is dead. But he was probably dead more than two days ago. So Jesus waits two days for what reason? Well, one is this is his timeline and he's doing things the way he needs to do, and he's doing them for the glory of God. So the whole point here is not to alleviate suffering for his friends, but to bring glory to God. And Lazarus had died, and he was probably dead before the messengers even arrived. Now it's curious, Lazarus has died, which should bring tears to their eyes, but then Jesus says, I'm glad for you I wasn't there so that you may believe. Well, let's go to him. So we're going to go, and we're going to rate he doesn't specifically. He says he's going to wake him up, but they're still not getting it all. Then Thomas, called twins, says to his fellow disciples, let's go too, so that we may die with him.
Well, two things here. One is you got to admire his courage. You have to admire his faith and devotion. It's better to die with Jesus than to live without Jesus. But it's also kind of gloomy. And we often call Thomas the doubter. But here we do see the courage of, uh, of Thomas. Now, it's curious that Thomas is the one who is the spokesman for the Twelve here. Normally, that's Peter. Peter's the one who generally is the one who speaks up on behalf of everyone. And it's curious that Peter's not seen in John's Gospel between 668 and 136. And some people wonder, is Peter even with them right now? Could Peter be somewhere else? And that's why Thomas is the spokesman for the group and not Peter. And then some say this may be why the other Gospels, or at least some of them, don't include this episode in them. Because Mark was thought to be a disciple of Peter, and much of the content of Mark really comes from Peter. And if Peter wasn't an eyewitness to all this, maybe that's why it's not included in the Gospel of Mark. So that's all conjecture, but but interesting things to, to think about. So Jesus has received word that Lazarus is sick. Jesus, however, knows Lazarus is dead. And they're going to go to Bethany, which is a couple of miles away from Jerusalem, to, well, we know what he's going to do. He's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through the Gospel of John.